You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. To beat the Vikings by three, I'm giving you a six, which is very generous for beating you just to... Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that Well, it's already Friday. It is New Year's Eve. Happy New Year's Eve, by the way. But as it's getting a little bit late in the week, it's about time we turn our attention to the Minnesota Vikings. We'll see um, still quite a bit that I wanted to get to, but um, we'll see what we end up getting to. Want to at least take a cursory look, and we'll start with that. And uh, I don't know. I don't know why I preface the show by telling you what's about to happen, because I don't know any more than you know, and everything I tell you is always wrong. So it doesn't matter. I don't know why I do that. I feel like I just need to do that. On today's episode of the Packernet Podcast, whales and the obesity epidemic right after this. Then you come back from the commercial, and it's like a show about monkeys like, what the heck? Where's the whales? I waited through all those commercials for whales. It's like, well, I don't know. We just kind of do, do whatever we want, I guess. Wasn't feeling whales. But I suppose we could start off with the injury report. Um, both teams are pretty low. Now, remember, this is not necessarily the COVID list. This is the injury report. Um, we got Jair, David Bakhtiari, uh, Dominique Daphne, Aaron Jones, Tyler Lancaster, Aaron Rodgers, and Billy Turner. We already talked about a lot of these guys, and it sounds like a lot of them are not coming. I love seeing them on the list, especially seeing Jair with limited participation. I would love it so much if he just out of nowhere played. Like, they've been downplaying it like, eh, I don't know. I mean, we activated him, but it was just because we had to. I mean, he's pretty, he's he's in rough shape right now. Really, he's practicing a lot. Ah, no, he's, uh, it's more like just limping in circles. He, he, you know, we feel bad for him. He's been in his room like, you know, eating dominoes for a long time. He's he's not doing well, so we just wanted to get him out of the house. And then, boom, Sunday rolls around, and here comes Jair. But anyways, unlikely Jair plays. David Bakhtiari has not practiced. He will probably not be playing. Billy Turner has not practiced. He is not expected to play. Aaron Rodgers is expected to play, even though he has not been practicing. So that really just leaves us with Aaron Jones and Dominique Daphne, and we assume Aaron Jones will be playing because... Haven't heard anything to the contrary. Um, so Tyler Lancaster and Dominique Daphne. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't have a lot for you. Uh, it would be kind of cool to get Daphne back, I guess. Um, Tyler Lancaster, just because the defensive line has been a bit of an issue, and um, I'll take whatever we can get in that regard. But he has not practiced all week, so it's not necessarily looking fantastic for him. Thank you, chair upstairs. By the way, I did buy. I complained a long time ago about the chairs constantly sliding around upstairs and how loud they are. 
and I had multiple people like, why don't you just get those pads where they can slide around? We put them on that. We bought them, put them on the chairs and they rubbed off in like a couple days. So anyways, for the Minnesota Vikings, um, Harrison Smith did not practice Wednesday, did practice on Thursday. Full participant, so he should be good to go. Chaz Surratt, the linebacker, um, limited on Thursday with an illness. He should be fine, I would assume. Tyler Conklin, the tight end, was limited. CJ Ham, the fullback, full participant. Dalvin Cook, full participant. Kenne Nwangnu, don't know how to say his name, but running back, full participation. And Cam Dantzler, cornerback, um, the only one he uh, wasn't even on the list Wednesday. He got added to the list Thursday, which is today for me, and did not participate. He has a calf injury. So for the most part, the team is is healthy, which is probably a bad way to phrase it. No teams are healthy right now. Everybody's got half their team on IR or the COVID list or something. But as far as guys that are injured and may not play that are significant contributors, it's almost nobody. But Cam Dantzler, and I've, I've been digging around a little bit trying to see if there's any information. I can't find anything as far as what happened, what the expectations are. It's just that he didn't practice at all and that it's a calf injury. But as, as crazy as it sounds, because, again, they're fairly healthy, and um, it's not as though Cam Dantzler is necessarily the most elite corner in the world. That's pretty significant, because their cornerback group is bad. In fact, if, we, if I just kind of mosey on over to PFF and sort their entire defense based on coverage, Number one, not surprisingly, Harrison Smith, safety. Number two, Cam Bynum, safety. Number three is Eric Kendricks. Number four is Blake Lynch, who is a linebacker. Number five is Josh Metellus, who's a safety. Number six is Armin Watts, who is a defensive tackle. Number seven is Daniil Hunter, edge rusher. Eight is Tashawn Bowser, edge rusher. Nine is Troy Dye, linebacker. Ten is Sheldon Richardson, who's a defensive tackle. Then you have Anthony Barr, the linebacker. You have Kenny Willekes, who's an edge rusher. Then at 13, you get Cam Dantzler. The 13th best coverage player on this team is Cam Dantzler, who's injured. All right, so where do we go from there? Well, after that, you have another edge rusher. Then you have Patrick Peterson, the cornerback. As far as I know, Patrick Peterson's good to go. He's 32 years old and hasn't really played good football since 2018, but he's there, 63 overall grade, 60 coverage grade and whatnot. So that's one. Then you have another edge rusher, another defensive tackle. Uh, Then you have a cornerback by the name of Harrison Hand. Harrison Hand has played two snaps this season, so they don't play him very much. Then you have a safety, an edge rusher, a linebacker, and then you get a pile of corners who are down near the bottom. Uh, Bashad Breland, who is no longer even a Viking, has a 45 overall grade. Mackenzie Alexander has a 41 overall grade, and Chris Boyd has a 35 overall grade. In terms of the guys that are actually their their top corners, it's Patrick Peter. in terms of how often they play. Patrick Peterson, who again, I said is average. Then it's Bashad Breland, who is not on the team anymore. Then it's Mackenzie Alexander, again, 40 overall grade. Then it's Cam Dantzler, who again, 71 overall grade, 64 coverage grade, who is injured. So it's a big drop-off without him on the team. Granted, it's going to be Patrick Peterson and a safety on Devontae, so it's still going to be somebody else has to step up. Fortunately, MVS is seemingly coming back, and potentially Randall Cobb, which is some more news. Uh, Randall Cobb was seen on the practice field. Sounds like he might be coming back ready to rock and roll. So um, this is a pretty devastated group of cornerbacks. 
So it's just something to monitor. And if and if uh, Dantler does play, then it's it's not a bad group or or at least a bad duo between those two guys. As far as the Vikings COVID list, um, this thing still has Dalvin Cook on here. He's off, so this has not been updated, which is very disappointing. However, um, as of the 26th, tackle Rashad Hill and quarterback Sean Mannion were added to the COVID list, and then the 27th guard, Ali Udo, was added to the COVID list. Now, in fairness to Vikings fans, I don't know that there's anybody on this team that Vikings fans like less than Ali Udo, their right guard, um, but it's still a guy that's going to be out, and, and presumably that would leave Mason Cole to come in. I don't know. What's his deal? Is he out? or Not that I can see. As far as I know, he's good to go as a backup in that spot, so... Um, Ali Udo has a 35 pass blocking grade. Mason Cole has a 44 overall. I don't know why Ali Udo is starting over Mason Cole or anybody else for that matter. But um, either way, neither neither guy is really all that spectacular. But anyways, outside of that, let's um, why don't we take a look at their roster since we're already talking about the players and are a little bit more familiarized with it. Then we'll kind of look at the team overall and um, might be it until we take a break. I got to be yeah, 14 minutes, and I'm going um, on the one bar and Lupagus show. But um, quickly running through this, because you kind of talk about the Vikings fairly regularly, including yesterday. Kirk Cousins does have an 86 overall grade. He's the fifth highest graded quarterback in football. Take that for what it's worth. Dalvin Cook, I mentioned he's not having the greatest year of his career. He's also just coming off of the COVID list, 39th out of 60. Um, the offensive line I've also talked about is... Not great, but it's not quite the disaster area that it used to be. Um, they picked up Christian Derisaw in the first round this year. He's been quite solid. Um, he hasn't played every single week, but so far he has a 73 overall grade, 33. 30, he ranks 33rd out of 84 tackles. So he's he's right there. And um, it used to be Brian O'Neill, the right tackle, was the only guy that was worth anything on this entire offensive line. He's ranked 36. So Derisaw is basically playing right where O'Neal is, and O'Neal's not a bad tackle at all. On top of that, Ezra Cleveland, the guy that I said is, you know, he's 6'6, 309. I thought he was always going to be a tackle. They kicked him into guard. I thought that was kind of weird because he wasn't really used to that or whatever, but um, he's not terrible. Uh, 54 overall pass blocking grade isn't great, but 71 uh, run blocking grade. So far, 68. So a 73 at left tackle, a 68 at left guard, and a 71 at right tackle is not that horrible. The The biggest issues right now, and, and again, they're working on it, they're building it, and the guys are relatively young, but uh, Garrett Bradbury is the center they picked in the first round a couple years ago. He's been a complete disaster. And then Ali Udo at right guard has also been a complete disaster. And whether it's Mason, Mason Cole or Dakota Dozier that comes in in his place, if Ali Udo doesn't even play, because he can... Uh, assuming he's vaccinated, all he needs to do is, I don't know, be asymptomatic or whatever the case is. I don't know. He can come back. I think he needs a negative test. I don't remember anymore. It doesn't matter, but he can play. But the point is the center and right guard spots are still bad. They don't have a dominant offensive lineman, but Derisaw, Cleveland, and O'Neal are fine. Uh, the wide receiver position, it's really all about Justin Jefferson now that Thielen is gone. Uh, with Thielen gone, you've got KJ Osborne, who's going to be the other boundary guy in Adam Thielen's as an Adam Thielen replacement. He was a fifth round pick in 2020, 63 overall grade so far this year. He's ranked 91st out of 130 wide receivers. And then Dede Westbrook, um, who's bounced around a little bit, is now with the Minnesota Vikings. 
He is, um, he's not doing well. 55 overall grade. He had a 53 overall last year. He had some success in the past with the uh, Jack, and success is, you know, relative term, I guess. But he had a little bit more success with the Jacksonville Jaguars. 2020, he kind of fell off, and he didn't even play that much. I don't know. But Minnesota's like, you know what, let's take a shot at him, and it's just been kind of a disaster. He's going to be end up being the uh, slot guy for the Minnesota Vikings. So good quarterback. I know he's got his issues, but overall, solid quarterback, overrated running back, mid-tier offensive line, and then um, dominant wide receiver with a bunch of eh, wide receivers next to him. And at tight end, you got... um, uh, Tyler Conklin right now is their top tight end, and Conklin's kind of right in line with the uh, the offensive lineman. He's he's okay. He's graded out in the high 60s, low 70s. Um, he's got 540 yards and three touchdowns on the season. Um, biggest day was probably 70 yards and a touchdown. So, you know, not that I'm okay with that happening against us, but it's not. Uh, he's not exactly a super dominant player. And as far as his blocking, run blocking, 54, pass blocking, 58. So he's 6'3", 254. He's kind of a smaller guy. He's not much of a blocker. Um, although the last few games, he's been pretty solid. But generally speaking, not that good of a blocker. He's more of a receiver, and he's not a super great one at that. Defensively, um, they've got Pearson Tomlinson on the inside. These are the the two guys that they went and picked up. Um, doing a real solid job. I mean, they're, they're not really long-term guys. I mean, I guess Michael Pierce can be. I don't know if they can afford to keep him, but um, you've got Sheldon Richardson here. Um, Sheldon has basically, he came into the league pretty solid for the Jets and has just progressively gotten worse um, basically every year. 31 years old, doesn't have a ton left to show for it. 33 pressures on 400 attempts, so he's not much of a pass rusher, Um, and he has a 59.7 overall run defense grade, so he's there, you know, but He's, he's just a guy. If we were to use the sort of DVOA terms, he's like a zero, right? He's that baseline. He's not bad. He's not good. He's just right there in the middle. Armin Watts um, has gotten the second most snaps, and it doesn't necessarily mean the second best. Some of these guys like Pierce have been injured a lot, but I'm just going in that order because it's easier. Um, but Watts is the six foot five, 300 uh, pound, sixth round draft pick in 2019. He's been with Minnesota the whole time. He's strictly a pass rusher, though. Doesn't necessarily mean he's good at it. He has 31 pressures on 336 attempts, so he still hasn't even cracked that 10% mark, and he has a 48 run defense grade because, again, all he can do is rush the passer, and he's kind of just average at that. Then you get to Dalvin Tomlinson. Dalvin Tomlinson, 6'3", 317, longtime New York Jet. Um, He's been strictly a run defender when he went with the Jets, but he's kind of gotten better as a pass rusher. That's not to say he's good. 17 pressures on 300 attempts is borderline bad, but his grades are getting significantly better, so he's doing something better. But either way, he's strictly a, I say strictly a run defender, but he's got a 70 overall run defense grade and a 70 pass rush grade, but the stats aren't there, so I'm still going to consider him a run defender. The problem is for Dalvin, since 2019, it's really fallen off, so 82, 80, 79, that was his, that was when he was just a dominant run defender with the Jets, since then, 70 and 70. So it's still not bad, but he's just, he's not an elite run defender. And he's not, you know, that's pretty much the whole defensive line for the most part. Um, then you come to James Lynch. Uh, he's kind of a rotational guy. He's really just kind of bad at everything. He has four pressures on 132 attempts. I don't know what the math is on that, but it's it's uh, about as bad as it gets. 
Um, and he has a 51 run defense grade, so he's not very good. But then you get to Michael Pierce, and Michael Pierce is probably the best defensive lineman they have, 29 years old. Um, he's been pretty dominant since day one in Baltimore. Um, I don't know why Baltimore let him go. They let a bunch of guys go. I'm guessing it was a financial thing, but um, he was out since week four. He came back week 13. He's been back since week 13. His grades since week 13, 70, 89, 74, and 82. So he's been pretty dominant. Um, 70 run defense grade, which is kind of low for him, but I don't know. I don't. It, it doesn't really matter because this is it's, it's it's almost the exact same. It must be the way Minnesota plays defense because it's the same thing where this is a run defender that came to Minnesota and became a pass rusher. So his grades against the run were 81, 88, 92. Then he took a step back in Baltimore with the run defense, and they're like, all right, get out of here. Minnesota picked him up, and he stayed down. So 81, 88, 92, and then 70, 70. But the pass rush went 65, 63, 68, 62, comes to Minnesota, 85. He has 16 pressures on 123 attempts and three sacks. So not necessarily super uber elite, but he's getting the job done, and he's still six foot three forty, good run defender. Edge rushers, they got a bunch of them. They all got different stories. DJ Wonham is the guy that's been there most consistently. He's been there every single week. He's had the most snaps of anybody, but he is just a bad football player. He has a 41 run defense grade, 34 pressures out of 503 attempts, and a 57 pass rush grade. He's just not very good. He was a 2024th round pick. Um, It ain't really working. Um, After that, you got Everson Griffin. Obviously, Everson's been going through some stuff. So he is not going to be with the team, and he wasn't playing very well when he was there. After that, you have Daniil Hunter. Obviously, Daniil Hunter is dominant. The reason he doesn't have very many snaps is because he hasn't been there since week eight, so he is not there. After that, you have Kenny Willekes. Kenny Willekes, I don't know what his deal is, but he played weeks eight, nine, 13, 14, and that's it. As far as I can tell, he'll be playing in this game, but um, doesn't really super matter either way. 62 run defense grade and... um, six pressures on 99 attempts. He was a seventh round pick in 2020. Didn't play a single snap in 2020. He's played four games this year and just has not been very good. After that, you have Patrick Jones. Patrick Jones was a third round pick in 2020, so or 2021 this year. He was out of Pittsburgh. Um, I kind of liked Patrick Jones coming out of college, but anyways, he kind of started in week nine. That was presumably because they lost Everson Griffin and Daniil Hunter, so they needed to bring him in. So he's been playing pretty consistently since week nine. He has a 55 overall run defense grade and a 53 pass rush grade. And I don't even know how he has 53 because he doesn't have a single pressure in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games. Granted, it's only been 42 attempts, but in eight games, the guy doesn't have a single pressure. So that's not great. After that, you have Stefan Weatherly. He played until week six and then got shipped off to Denver, so we don't need an update on that. Then you have Tashawn Bauer, who was with New England. Um, he got picked up by Minnesota in week 12, presumably because of how just horrible uh, the edge rusher situation has been with injuries and everything else. He has two pressures on 22 attempts, so I guess technically that's roughly 10%, which is about what he's always done. He's got 10 career pressures in his four years in the NFL, on 117 attempts, but he has a 38 run defense grade since he's been with Minnesota. We've also got uh, Eddie Yarbrough, who played two games this year. Uh, One of them was against Green Bay, and he was terrible, presumably not playing, and that's it. So to recap, (laughs) you got Wonham, 
Um, no Everson Griffin, no Daniil Hunter, uh, probably Willikus and Patrick Jones. I, I, I don't know, but it's, it's not going to be a very good group. And it's, that's, I mean, that's pretty devastating for, um, the Minnesota Vikings, particularly just not being able to bring pressure has been kind of a problem is allowing guys to kind of stand in the pocket and, and pick, pick your defense apart. And then on top of that, not really having dominant corners, especially if you're going to lose your probably best corner in this game. That's, that's really just going to be, it's going to be rough. I'm, I'm not going to talk too much because every time I talk about how devastated a team's defense is, our offense doesn't really move very well against them. So I'll try to limit those kinds of things, but draw your own conclusions. We already talked about corner when we talked about the injuries, but it's basically Peterson and Dantzler, and we'll see if Dantzler uh, ends up playing in the game. Linebackers are still the same linebackers that have been there for years. It's Eric Hendricks and Anthony Barr. Um, Eric Hendricks, I, for some reason, I you know, I for let me put it this way: for years, I talked about how Kendricks and Barr are both overrated, and I was right about Barr. He had a great couple years. His first two years after that, he basically fell off. Right now, sixty-four overall grade. Um, he was out the first beginning of the season. He came back week five. Looks like he maybe missed at least one more week since, but he's been back pretty consistently, but he has a 64 overall grade, 53 run defense, 66 coverage, um, 71 pass rush when he has those opportunities. So he's kind of the same mediocre, overrated linebacker that he's always been. Eric Kendricks, though, was weird because for four years, the guy was overrated. Everybody said he was great, and he never really was. 59, 68, 67, 64, those are his grades, and as I kept pounding the table saying, he's no good, he's no good, he's no good, all of a sudden, 2019, 90 overall grade, right? Elite cover guy, elite run defense. And I thought, well, it was a weird year. It was an anomaly. It won't happen again. Well, 2020, he has an 82.6 overall grade, 90 coverage, which is even higher, just dominant in coverage, um, regresses as a run defender down to 62 overall, which so that did go back to normal. Um, but 2021, everything kind of equalized. He's down to a 59 overall grade. This is actually the lowest grade of his entire career. As a rookie, he had a 59.2. Right now, he has a 59.0. His coverage grade is still relatively high at a 75, but his run defense grade is a 39. He has got to be one of the worst run defending linebackers in football right now. I don't know exactly what his problem is, but this is horrifically bad. The best game he's had all year was against Carolina. 67 overall grade was his best. Um, the last four weeks, 51, 51, 52, 46. I mean, it's, it's, it's just bad. He had a 67 before that against Green Bay, obviously his, uh, that was actually, no, I'm, I lied against Carolina was 67.3 against Green Bay, 67.4. Obviously his best game is against the freaking Packers, but before that 31, 43, 43, then he has his 60, then what? 55, 38, 50, 62, 61. So the run defensibility for Kendricks has just bottomed out. I don't know exactly why, but bottom line is he's not the guy he was in 2019 and 2020. He's kind of back to what he was before, but a little bit worse. Otherwise, you get Nick Vigil, who's kind of just, he's the number three. He plays once in a while. He has a 34 run defense grade, which is pathetic, a 55 coverage grade, 59 pass rush grade. He's not very good at football. Bottom line, you have one average linebacker, one subpar linebacker, and one bad linebacker is how I would phrase that. And then you got the safeties, and they always have good safeties. That's just the way it goes. Um, the top two guys, Xavier Woods and Harrison Smith, um, they had Harrison Smith there since forever. 
32 years old. The guy has been one of the best safeties consistently since 2012. Now we got the dog barking. Xavier Woods is far from elite. And in fact, he's having his second worst year of his career, but he's still fine. You know, 66 overall grade, and he's one of the better, for some reason, the run defense thing. I don't know, maybe it has something to do with, I don't know, I'm not going to make stuff up. He has an 88 overall run defense grade, 87 tackling. So somehow something's clicking and he's flying around just killing people, but he has a 58 coverage grade. It's just not really working in that regard. But again, Harrison Smith is, is sort of the main guy. And when it comes to pretty much everything. I mean, he's never had a bad run defense grade. He's, well, 2013, he had a bad coverage grade, and it looks like he was injured that year. Um, He's just been good every single year. Harrison Smith is one of the more underrated, I think, football players in football. He just doesn't get talked about enough. He's just always been consistently dominant, elite. I mean, this, this, this guy is, he's probably been more consistently good than like Earl Thomas. Earl Thomas played from 2010 to 2019, he kind of broke out in 2013. Um, so from 2013 to 2019, he still had a 77 overall. Well, I mean, you could call it 2011 because he was still in the 70s. So from 2011 to 2019, so nine years, and Harrison Smith is now in his 10th year. He did have his one down year, so you could call it nine. But but again, I mean, it's just, he's just, he's phenomenal. And I'm, I'm glad he's 33 years old and hopefully will soon be gone. But anyways, that's uh, that's about that. Why don't we go ahead and take a break here? I wasn't I was gonna kind of move on to the next thing, but that might take a while. Um, so we'll take a break right here. I am switching things up a little bit. Um, if you're thinking about uh, supporting me or whatever, I would encourage you to head over to my Twitter. Um, the pin tweet there. I'm looking to help out a guy by the name of uh, Drew. He's trying to raise money to get a um, a seizure service dog because he has epilepsy. It's a very, very expensive thing. He's been able to raise a decent amount of money, and he's had a bunch of um, grants and things, I guess it would be called, but he still needs quite a bit more money. And um, I don't know, I saw him ask for for some help on Twitter, and it just dawned on me, he definitely needs help more than I need another patron. Not that, I, I'm, not that I'm saying I don't want help, but um, if you're considering giving, donating, whatever, um, I know I missed the whole Christmas spirit thing, but before the end of the year, if you were looking to kind of give and, and do something nice, again, I'll, I'll try to pin it on Facebook and everything else, but uh, Drew's been one of many, many, many people that have supported this podcast and is always um, sending me messages and uh, helping me out with stuff, and the guy needs some pretty serious help. It's not minor, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a serious thing, and again, it's been a it's been a really good year for me getting the house, and I'm just I'm just happy with things. Conversely, I kind of wish we didn't get a dog, but that's a whole separate issue. So it's, it's just something to consider. Um, so just like I say with the uh, the podcast, if it's just a dollar, I mean, just one dollar to you isn't much, but um, it definitely adds up when you consider the full uh, scope of this audience. I mean, if everybody listening, at least uh, probably not today, but over the course of, let's say, the month, um, he'll far surpass his goal in no time. So something to consider if you're looking for uh, a way to give. And I'm, I'm planning on doing this until he gets his dog. So I'm hoping we can get him a dog before uh, the start of next season because I look forward to begging for more patrons when the season starts. <laughs> but anyways, go check it out. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. 
And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, folks, so let's continue looking at the Minnesota Vikings for at least a little bit here. Um, Just for everyone's information, it's about, uh, well, it's the next day for me, so it's officially Friday. So if it gets confusing, if I start saying today or things like that, I went to bed after the break. I told you, when I take a break, a lot of times I'll literally (laughs) take a break. And in this case, it was a, it was a, it was a long break. But anyways, if we um, take a look at a couple different things for the Minnesota Vikings to get an overview, first of all, they are 12th in points, 23rd in, uh, excuse me, 12th on offense, still a little sleepy, 23rd on defense in terms of points overall for the season. So, I mean, if you just kind of look at that, as much as we're coming into this game and we're like, dude, this team is straight trash. This is like, I don't know if anybody thinks it's automatic, but nobody's really worried about it. Maybe they are. I don't know. It just, it it seems like we're not necessarily worried enough. I think it's just because they're so down in the dumps. Their season is done. They're about to fire their coach. Um, technically have a losing record, although they're seven and eight. So it's, you know, 12th on offense, 23rd on defense isn't terrible. I'm pretty sure the Packers were basically in that same boat at one point. When we saw the Minnesota Vikings last time, this was uh, week 11, they were five and five. So basically the same as far as their, their record is concerned. Um, Points for, they were 13th, so basically exactly the same. Points against, looking at their defense, they were 17th, so slightly better than than kind of overall, and we'll look at from here on. But if you look at point differential, which again is just kind of a metric of offensive and defensive power, Green Bay was 11th at the time, Minnesota was 17th. If you want to get the Vikings a little bit higher, look at points combined, which again, as I said the other day, Points combined means high-scoring games. High-scoring games means good offense, bad defense. So that's kind of, and again, we we knew that. We looked at their offense ranking higher and their defense ranking lower. So it makes sense if you wanted to identify what are the Vikings. And we just, we looked at four different things to kind of get this picture. That's the picture, which is also kind of a picture of why the Vikings are just not good. You have a defensive head coach who's losing the ability to play good defensive football, you have a team that has really good offensive players, and I'm not going to say they don't have a decent enough offensive coordinator. I don't know. Maybe he's a big part of the reason for the success, but it just doesn't feel like it's the correct identity of the team, or we maybe just don't have the right head coach. I don't know. It just seems like a weird thing. The Vikings were set up to be sort of a defensive powerhouse, and the defense is falling off, and the team is struggling as a result. Despite the fact that their quarterback is the fifth highest graded quarterback in football, they have one of the top, depending on what you're using, DVOA, DYAR, PFF grade, 
arguably the best wide receiver in football, clearly a top five, probably clearly a top three wide receiver. Adam Thielen has always been quality. Offensive line is improving. But again, the defense slips a little bit and the team's just kind of done. Since week 11, what have we seen from the Packers and the Minnesota Vikings? Well, Minnesota and the Green Bay Packers offenses have both improved pretty massively. Um, Massively might be a slight overstatement, at least insofar as Minnesota, but they are the 10th best offense in football. So again, it's it's not right to necessarily say this is just a bad team coming into Green Bay. It's it's since week 11, they are two and three, so they're still in that 500 ram. I mean, you can't actually be 500 when you play five games, but you would expect to be either two and three or three and two if you're a 500 caliber team. So that hasn't changed. But their offense is ranked 10th. The Packers' offense is ranked sixth, and they're four and zero. Oh. Defensively, the Green Bay Packers, and and this is kind of interesting too because I looked at this in a couple different ways. I looked it over at, um, I'm looking at it now here in terms of just general points against. I also looked at it over at Football Outsiders as far as um, DVOA and whatnot. I don't think it's quite as bad as Packer fans are making it out to be. It's disappointing because we did have one of the, seemingly one of the top defenses and that got exciting, but they're sitting at 17th, which is average. Since week 11, I'm not talking about for the season, so I'm not averaging in you know, all the earlier success. It's disappointing, but it's not the end of the world. But the Vikings, on the other hand, since we've seen them, their defense has been 27th. And again, remember, I I talked about how um, Daniil Hunter and Everson Griffin went out after like week eight. That's pretty massive. There have been other changes and and things since then for all teams, but, but that's clearly been the biggest thing for Minnesota is the defense has fallen off. It's been kind of the, the, lesser contributor all year, but now it's just a massive, I mean, you got the 10th best offense and the uh, 6th worst defense. Beyond that, you know what else is interesting while we're sitting here? You know who else has a really terrible defense? Chicago. Since week 11, this is so backwards from how we're used to the NF. I mean, if you did this exactly in reverse and said these are the defenses from best to worst, it would make complete sense. If I said the best defense is Chicago, then shortly behind them is Minnesota, then you go uh, up a little ways, and you've got uh, Detroit, and then a little bit more is Green Bay. I mean, literally, if I said fifth best defense is Chicago, sixth best defense is Minnesota, Detroit's defense ranks 13th, and Green Bay ranks 16th, you'd be like, yeah, that makes complete sense. It's the exact opposite. That's from bottom to top. <laughs> the defenses in the NFC North have just completely fallen off, and the two teams that are known for defense, are um, they're at the bottom right now. Chicago's offense, by the way, ranks 15th. So their defense is, is performing technically worse, at least just in far, as far as just points, they're doing worse than the offense. Looking at, uh, you know, they're just straight up wins and losses. There's nothing to glean in terms of, you know, they used to be really good. Now they're losing all their games. I mean, it was loss, loss, win, loss, win, win, loss, loss, win, win, loss, loss, win, win, loss. They've never won or lost more than two games in a row. Let's put it that way. So it's it's just been it's been consistently inconsistent all year. Looking at sort of those line in the sand numbers um, when the Vikings kind of fall off for the offense. Always confuse myself on how I say these things. The offense has to score about twenty seven points to win. Um, they're five and three when the offense gets to twenty seven. They're two and five below twenty seven. Their only two wins came against Detroit and Chicago. They scored 19 and won 19-17. They scored 17 against the Chicago Bears and won 17-19. So that's, that's awfully comforting, aside from the fact that we're also in the NFC North, but it's still kind of funny. Every other game they've lost, though. Defensively, what does the defense have to do? 
Um, it's actually a pretty low bar, but it's still sitting around 27. It's actually 28 or lower, and the Vikings more often than not are going to win. But you get beyond 28 points, and it's done. There's 6-3 and three when another team scores 28 points or less. They're 1-5 when a team gets over um, 28. So again, the, it, it doesn't... It's not necessarily that if you don't get to 29, you're doomed because, you know, it's not that great of a record. They still lost three games. But what it is saying is if they allow the Packers to get over 29 points, the the offense almost has no ability to get up there and, and win that battle. The only time they did, though, Green Bay Packers. So in every instance, the anomalies have been in the NFC North. They beat the Packers 34-31. to 31. Every other team that got over 28 points beat the Vikings. Come on, man. Other sort of correlations, um, offensive yards for the Vikings, fairly strong correlation. Um, Under 381 yards, they lost every single game except the game against Chicago, which ironically was the lowest amount of yards they got the entire season. Passing yards is pretty spread out. There's not really much there. But rushing yards, not super surprisingly for a team that likes to run the ball, is sitting at about... We could call it 100, but it's, a, it's I mean, if we're going to be accurate, it's 103 yards. They're 6-2 and two when they've gotten to 103 yards rushing. Again, not super great for us because keeping them under 103 yards seems, um, I would bet that we don't. Let's put it that way. When they don't get to 103 yards, they are 1-6. This is the weirdest freaking team in history when it comes to turnovers. Um I swear I'm reading this backwards, but I'm not. When you sort by turnovers that they've given away, more wins are at the top. They are two and one with two turnovers. They're three and four with one turnover. They're two and three with no turnovers. So turnovers apparently don't even affect this team. I'm sure if they had three, four, five, but it's just, it's the turnovers are, are like points. There's, it's, uh, there's always a number. Very rarely is there a team where turnovers just don't affect the team. But even defensive I mean, they are two and three when they get three turnovers, which is technically positive. But they're also two and two with no turnovers. They're two and one with one turnover. They're one and three when they get two turnovers. And in the three games where they had two turnovers, and they the defense got two turnovers, the offense didn't turn over the ball once. They lost all three of those games: Arizona, Baltimore, and Dallas. So they won those games. The turnover differential was plus two in their favor. So, anyways, that's a thing. If we look at um, PFF to try to get a gauge week to week, what's gotten better, what's gotten worse, um, one of the most obvious standouts right off the bat is passing. And that honestly might explain some of the frustration Vikings fans are having with Kirk Cousins, um, because despite his 86 overall grade and being the fifth best quarterback, most of that is front loaded. That looks like at about week 10, right before the Packer game when they beat us, um, is when he started to fall off. By the way, week 11, when the Vikings won, was his one, two, three, four, f- fifth worst game. So that's not comforting. But if we look at through week 10, his grades 80, 86, 82, 64, 88, 77, 78, 71, 78. Incredible, right? Minus that 64 against Cleveland, that's pretty dominant. Since then, it's been the exact opposite 64, 57, 79, 62, 59, 66. He had one good game and a bunch of just. Meh. I don't know why, don't know what the deal is, but um, I do see a bunch more turnovers. He had two turnovers um, through week 11. He had uh, one, two, three, four, five since. 
So five of his seven picks have come in the last uh, five games. But as I just said, it doesn't seem to affect their win-loss all that much, but whatever. It affects his grade personally. Pass blocking has been consistently not super great. Receiving looks consistent. Running is fairly consistent. They do have more positive grades, but it's still just kind of meh. Run blocking, I would say, has definitely improved. Right around, uh, right after the bye, actually, which I guess corresponds to the higher rushing grades here. Defense is about the same. Run defense about the same. Tackling has definitely improved, but that started around week four, so that's nothing really to stress about. Pass rush has um, completely fallen off. Take a wild guess when that happened, roughly around after the bye, week eight-ish. They have not really had a very good game since. Coverage stays low. Special teams is um, inconsistent, which is something we should probably mention really quickly here. So in terms of just special teamers, we're talking gunners and blockers and everything else. I don't even know the names of the guys, but uh, they have roughly, we'll say, 12 players with good grades, which compared to the Packers, who have like two or three, is pretty high. They have four players with 80 or higher overall grades. Ryan Conley, the linebacker, uh, Dalvin Tomlinson, who obviously is not going to be a gunner, but he's doing his, his business, probably on like field goal blocking stuff. Andrew DePaula, uh, their long snapper, and then Troy Die with a 90.8 overall grade. So I don't know how Troy's doing as a linebacker prospect, but as a special teamer, they're getting their money's worth. As far as kicking, um, the only really impressive thing, Greg Joseph, their kicker, has an 88 overall kickoff grade, which, you know, I've never seen that before, so I don't even know what that means. I don't know if it's just blasting it through the end zone or kicking it to the zero yard line or what that means. I don't know. But uh, they're really impressed with his ability on kickoffs. On field goals, um, 54 overall grade. He's 31 of 35 on extra points. He's 31 of 36. He has he has almost as bad of an extra point percentage as he has a field goal percentage. 88% on his extra points, 86% on his field goals. Um, he's 8 of 8 from 20 yards in the 20-yard range. He's 10 of 11 in the 30-yard range, 7 of 9 in the 40-yard range, and 6 of 8 in 50-yard range. That's not that bad. The extra points are the more interesting thing. And then their punter, Jordan Berry, 55 overall grade, um, averages 46.3 yards per attempt, 41.5 net, 63 is as long, 25 of those 66 have been inside the 20. He did have one blocked, about 48% of his punts, you know, roughly half are returned, 4-1-2 hang time, so that's not very good. And the thing everybody's probably most interested in is the um, returners. Matt LaFleur had made a comment about, uh, a returner who's very good that he doesn't even want to try to pronounce his name. That's the Kene Nwanwu guy. He's strictly a kick returner, so we don't have to see him on, in every single phase, which is nice. As a kick returner, he has an 80.4 overall grade, 13 returns, 455 yards, which is a 35-yard average. Remember I said you want to have around a 25-yard average, which is not super common. Probably less than half the returners can get 25 yards. And the reason I say that is because if you kick it to the the one-ish yard line, you want to at least be able to get back to the 25. So maybe 24, you can get away with it if it's a little short. I don't know. But um, he also has two touchdowns. So he's only returned 13 times. He's averaging 30. Well, I guess when you have two touchdowns, that's going to bring your average up, right? Because what? how far of a run is that? 90, at least 90 yards, maybe 100 and some yards. I don't know. So I don't know. If you, t- if you take away the two touchdowns, maybe his yards per attempt isn't it. But regardless, if you have two touchdowns on 13 attempts, that's pretty scary. Actually, we can look at it. He did only have, so those are his averages, but he had two returns against Baltimore, 
for 121 yards. His longest was 98, and he had a touchdown, which is to say his other return was 23 yards, which isn't bad. But again, and I'm you can't take away the touchdowns when you're talking about how good he is. But if you did, you know, he had one return for 23 yards, so that's whatever. Um, against the Chargers, one return, 23 yards, which again is not terrible, but it's less than you'd hope for. Against the Packers, he had one return for 15 yards. Then against San Francisco, four returns, 171 yards, but he also had a 99-yard touchdown. His other three kick returns averaged 24 yards. So just, again, just below. He's right in that 23-24 range. Against Detroit, two returns, 65 yards, which is a 32-yard average. That's fairly high. Um, Then he had two against Chicago, 25-yard average right on that spot. And then against L.A., one return for nine yards. So he's definitely good. He has two touchdowns, and if you take away the touchdowns because it skews the average, he's sitting at a, just slightly below the um, the 25-yard average. So if we can keep him from getting a touchdown, it shouldn't be the worst thing in the world, but that might be the tough thing. I guess it's not. I shouldn't say it's tough. It happens less often than it happens, but it's still a thing, especially when you're the Packers and you have the worst special teams unit in, um, oh, I don't know, history, then, you know, it's something to worry about. If we're looking at uh, Football Outsiders, DVOA, um, it's not all that different. They have the Packers ranked 10th and the Vikings ranked 13th. So again, from their standpoint, the Packers and Vikings aren't all that different. I think they're, if they were to uh, give their opinion on the two teams, they would say the Packers have more wins than, than their talent would indicate, which in my mind would indicate a very good head coach, but you know, whatever. Minnesota has more losses than their talent would should indicate. Again, coach. If you look at the weighted DVOA, which is looking at more recent, it's actually it's one of the interesting things I've noticed when looking at DVOA, though, is the Packers move up to 8th, the Vikings move down to 15th. So now when you look at more recent history, it seems as though the Packers are getting better and the Vikings are getting worse. The interesting thing about it, though, is the Packers' offense is getting better as the Packers' defense is getting worse, and it's scaring a lot of people. But the team overall seems to be trending in a more positive direction than a negative direction. As much as it seems to be more scary watching the defense fall off, the team has improved. So in other words, if, if you could go back and kind of turn the dial, I'm not talking about in terms of actual time back, but turn the dial back to kind of shift the ratio where the offense comes down and the defense comes up a little bit, would you do it? The answer probably is no. Although maybe the answer should be yes. I don't want to get too much into it, but um, as I was poking around DVOA, one of the things I noticed was and I know this is going to be a duh statement, but it's it's not always a duh statement until you see it just clear as day in front of your face. The correlation between Packers winning a Super Bowl and Packers having a good defense is like, wow. But I don't want to get into that too much because there's a, there's a bigger thing I want to talk about with that, and we're kind of running up against the end of it. And I want to be able to have the time to really elaborate on that because there's kind of, and if you follow me on Twitter, you might know what it is. All right. I, I, I was telling myself, don't tweet it because then you're giving away the answer. But there is an unsung season for the Green Bay Packers, um, when we talk about missed opportunities that I don't think is talked about enough. Um, and based on what I see from DVOA, as far as that correlation between really good defenses and winning Super Bowls, there's three teams at the top, two of them won Super Bowls. One of them came short, and that one was sandwiched in between the two. But um, if we look at uh, offensive and defensive DVOA, which is kind of like points for and points against, but it's contextualized. Because again, now we're talking about, you know, DVOA is tracking everything the offense and defense has done against their expectations in that one moment. So it's just highly contextualized points for and points against. 
Um, Minnesota's offense, they have all the way down at 17th, 3.3% better than your average team. And by the way, they have the Raiders. If you want to know what is an average offense this year, it's probably the Raiders. They're at um, minus 0.9%. So that's about the most average offense, according to DVOA. The Packers are second, 20.9% better than your average offense. The only team that's better is Tampa Bay. Make me sick. As far as defensive DVOA, and these are not weighted, so this is for the season, um, Green Bay has fallen all the way down to 21st, but it's still 3%. Um, actually, no, it's 3% worse than your average defense. I had a bad, I forgot, negative is better. So it's 3% lower. And they actually have Minnesota significantly higher than us defensively. Again, based on what they can see from context, but they're basically sitting around average, minus 0.8%. So roughly 1% better than your average defense. And also remember, it's not weighted. I think I can actually check that. Let me check that. Let's, well, let's do, let's finish this. Special teams, um, you know, it, it's what you'd expect it to be. Minnesota ranks 16th. The Packers are dead last. And by the way, I looked at special teams because I'm like, you know, I feel like we haven't been that bad. So I started going week to week to week to try to see if I could ever get this thing to not be dead. We're dead last. If you pick a week and like, all right, how about since week 10? How about since week 11? Since week 12? Since week 13? Since week 14? I went all the way just to last week. We were dead last last week. Like, how? We didn't do that bad, did we? Oh, yeah. I think uh, Hork has shanked like all of his punts. And um, so that's not great. Um, if we look at DVOA since, call it the midweek point, call it, I don't know, week eight, they actually have Minnesota higher than the Green Bay Packers. Uh, the Packers, they have 14th. Minnesota, they have 11th. Is that comforting to you? No? Okay. Me either. Offense, they have the Packers ranked fourth. Uh, Minnesota, they have 14th. Defense, in stark contradiction to what points four says, Minnesota has the fourth best defense. Green Bay, 22nd. Again, we'll zoom in a little bit closer, but this is since the midweek point. Since we've played them, so after week 11, still not that different. Packers 11th, Vikings 10th. Offense, Packers 5th, Minnesota 8th. So you're seeing both kind of go up a little bit. Green Bay's defense 13th. Minnesota's defense falls to 17th. That's a that's a massive fall. <laughs> but again, and, and I mentioned this with a couple other things, I don't think the Vikings and Packers are that different. I think the Packers are better, and I think by most metrics they're better, but nothing is like the Packers are number one and the Vikings are 22nd. There's nothing like that. Even PFF grades overall, the Packers, they have ninth, the Vikings, they have 15th. That's very similar to what DVOA has to say. Special teams uh, since that time, Green Bay, well, I guess I lied. Green Bay is 30th if you go since week 12. Minnesota is 5th. So again, I mean, that's that's just kind of where it's at. Are the Packers a better team? Yes. Are the mentality of the team is massively better. It's it's at home. It's all these different things are in the Packers' favor. It's also a primetime game, which, I mean, has Cousins ever won one of those? I think I can actually check that. It's not that bad. It's 10 and 17. He's actually beaten the Packers twice in primetime. Um, from what I can see here. Um, Sunday, November 25th, 2018, Packers won 24-17. That was an 8-20 game. Once was with the Redskins, so maybe we won't say that that counts, but that was uh, 42-24 on a Sunday night game. In fact, even if we just sort by date, because like, well, why don't you just get rid of the Washington game? Well, let's just sort it by date. If we go in reverse, his most recent late game was against Chicago. They won 17-19. Before that was Pittsburgh. They won 36-28. So, um, he won two of his last two and three of his last four. So I don't know if maybe that doesn't necessarily apply as much anymore. But anyways, regardless of whatever is in our favor, I think we just have to recognize what it is. This is a team that can still play football. 
And despite their flaws, they show up sometimes. Like when they played the Green Bay Packers and scored 34 points. Since then, they scored 36 against the Steelers. That's not an easy thing to do against that defense, but they did it. They only allowed nine against the Bears. Why? Because the defense showed up. The week after, they allowed 30, and they only scored 23 because they played terribly against the Rams. I mean, the, the Vikings are just a ticking time bomb, right? Almost every week, they're doing something. You know, Again, the Bears' defense was impressive. Pittsburgh, the offense was impressive. Detroit, that was a bad game. 49ers, that was a pretty bad game. Packers, defense wasn't good. Offense showed up. The week before that, defense only allowed 20 points against the Chargers. That's pretty impressive. Chargers got a good offense. The week before that, they lost, but the offense still got to 31. The week before that, they only allowed Dallas to get to 20. That's impressive. Dallas has got one of the better offenses in football. They lost the game, but still the defense showed up. Week before that, the offense got to 34. Week before that, the defense only allowed 17. Week before that, the defense allowed 14. The defense allowed 17. They scored 33. More often than not, either the offense or the defense shows up, and once in a while, it's enough to win the game. So the Vikings have some issues. The Vikings got to figure some stuff out, but the Vikings are just as dangerous as they've always been. Um, and the Packers need to come in, which I know they will. I mean, I doubt they're gonna anybody's going to come into this game thinking this is going to be a cakewalk. There are still issues. They have some good defensive tackles, even though the edge rushers aren't there. Um, you know, Patrick Peterson is still a good player, and they, they still have a good pair of safeties. So to think that we've got this game locked up because we're just going to run all over their safeties, I mean, they, they can shade a little extra help over to Devontae, take him away, and say, okay, now what are you going to do? Somebody else has got to step up. And if you think you're just going to send... MVS down the field. Again, safeties are where they're strong on defense. Linebackers are having a little bit of a down year, but they can cover. That makes it tough. They can blitz. That makes it tough. And again, well, then we'll just run the ball. Okay, but again, defensive tackles. They got them. They're big. They're strong. They're, you know, I mean, it's it's not just a an easy, well, it's obviously you just do this. Same with what we talked about with the offense. Like, well, okay, well, they lost Thielen, so it's just Jefferson now. Okay, but regardless of how bad Dalvin's doing, this is a team that runs the ball fairly well regardless of who's back there. And our defense has been slipping with run defense. So like Matt LaFleur said in his press conference, pick your poison. Are you going to shade a little help over to Justin Jefferson because you just don't want him to gash you? Like for that 30-yard reception? Which if you're going to cover, you better bring some pressure too because I don't care how many people you bring over to Justin Jefferson, somebody's coming open if you don't get pressure. Well, if you're bringing more pressure and you got some extra guys covering, Play action is going to wreck your world slash screens. So anyways, um, by the way, that's reminding me as I'm kind of contemplating in my own mind how to attack certain things. We've got a fun project coming up. Um, we're going to record it on Sunday is the plan. Got some really fun bonus content. It's not going to be for Patreon. It'll be for everybody involved. I'm not exactly sure where, how, when it's all going to be edited and uploaded. But I had mentioned to you a guy by the name of Sam Holman, who uh, does a lot of really great work watching Packers film uh, breakdown type stuff. Uh, Sam underscore D Holman is H-O-L-M-A-N. Just like I told you with Dara, if you're not following him, just get on that train because you're going to be doing it eventually and you're just wasting your time not doing it now. But um, he apparently is over with Wiss Sports Heroics. Those guys do a good job of snatching up all the talent. But uh, he's a film guy is what he is, which is also which co- what Coach Hahn is being a coach and whatnot. So what we're going to do is we're going to host, I'm going to host a chalk war. What is a chalk war? It's going to be kind of like a live Madden game. Coach on versus Sam Holman. Somebody's on offense, somebody's on defense, and they're going to call plays. And then they're going to do sort of a, on the count of three, reveal your play, and they'll see who wins. Now, I'm probably not the best host for this because they're going to be over my head. But I think it'll be kind of fun because they'll be able to draw out and show, you know, 
they might look at it right away and go, oh, man, I was you you got me. And I'm like, what? But then they can draw out the play and show, here's this guy, based on this coverage, is probably going to come open right here. Now, there is an agreement also that if they can't agree on who wins, I'm the tiebreaker. And because I don't actually know, I'm planning on having some fun with it. So it's just something we're going to try out. We're not going to do it live just because it's the first time. I don't know how it's going to go. I don't know if it's going to be kind of flowy or if it's going to take a lot of time or how that's all going to work. But um, we're planning on recording that Sunday afternoonish. Don't know why we planned it during all the football games, but that's what it is. I'll probably have some games up in my office <laughs> while that's going on. But uh, keep an eye out for that. You'll probably be able to find it on, um, first of all, the Facebook group, Packernet Podcast Facebook group, Cheese and Packers Facebook group. Maybe we'll put it over there or on YouTube, Packernet Podcast, which I haven't uploaded there in a long time, but that'd be a good place to put it. Anyways, um, I should probably get going. I was going to get to some other things, but we've gone long enough, so we'll save that for another day. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Friday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one.